All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 18 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Odd Shark and Jock Market. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm Brock Segan. we got Dylan D. Berthium, Michael Biebs Bondi with us. How's it going, D.? Doing good, Brock. Happy to be here, man. Ain't no better way to spend a Friday morning than right here with you two. Long weekend, too. Long weekend. Yeah, so happy Good Friday to everybody. Uh, yeah. We are recording, our, I think, Wait. probably our first morning podcast. They didn't um, make a long weekend because the abs are in first? I thought that's what we were celebrating. Is that not what we were celebrating? It could be. Oh, it, it is, oh it's it, a it holiday. Has, it has been a bit of a oh. rebirth for the Avalanche this season. I thought that was honestly just what we were celebrating was they just wanted to give us an extra day on the weekend because the Avs just took first seat on Wednesday. So they are an absolute unit right now. Like, as an yeah. as an Avs fan, like it must be just too much fun to watch. Like I know that I've been. Uh, I'm trying all... to like take it in stride, but it, it is tough because it it sounds terrible, but it's like watching a travel team play house league teams. Some of these games, like five one the other night with five minutes left in the first. Like I'm sitting there, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Game before, I believe shots were forty to twelve by the end of the third, and that's like the common theme. It's just kind of crazy. This is like what the betters had in mind when they put them as cup favorites early on. Even they did it to Vegas the other night. Not that was the one test. I was like, oh yeah, no, Vegas is gonna you know put us put Colorado back in their place, really show them what's up. But nope, points in fourteen straight now, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, 
I know that my uh, the DFO DFS show listeners have been just raking in the money because I've been talking about Colorado three for like two weeks and we just play them every night and they score every single night. Like they're just absolutely insane. And Do then all the casual Don Skoy mentioned last week too. And then he just puts up a, a nice hattie and a, a nice natty hattie and, and an assist the other night. Um, so I, ho- <laughs> I hope you guys picked Don Skoy up there. Um, off we of, did, uh, we did get a few. A few texts and a few tweets from people saying, "Listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for the for the recommendation." Because yeah, he went he went ballistic. The whole line's just been incredible. I know, like when I look up on like Natty Staddy on like after their game or whatever to to update the lines and stuff, it's like literally all four lines. Like Corsi four is like seventy, like every single night. Like it's not just like the McKinnon line or the Kadri line dominating. Now it's this Yost Don's going to Chushkin line dominating. And then some nights even the Belmar line goes off, and I'm just like, what is happening? Like how do you beat this team? All four lines are just crushing you yeah belmore had three points the other night two the night before it's like that's the fighter okay all right we take it uh exactly i'm, I'm just trying to like i said not get too excited because uh it's really exciting but if say you're just sitting around and you have nothing to do at 10 at night in colorado's playing i would highly suggest watching them because uh you know they're just the things that happen out there are a lot of fun and if the Leafs are playing from seven to ten watch them first and just have six <laughs> hours of beautiful hockey Perfect, it's hilarious too because like you almost can't even play like philip grubauer even though he's guaranteed the win you almost can't play him on DraftKings because like he spaces 17 shots a night like he doesn't yeah. even there's no shot volume whatsoever it's just there's You're such better a, to put in the 50 shot goalie who's going against him and gonna lose maybe 5-1 <laughs> but at least get 45 stops yeah it, they are just an absolute unit right now but um all right so we've got episode 18 here we are going to yeah that was probably the most enjoyable three minutes <laughs> of beeps on this podcast ever um we're gonna just kind of focus on the fantasy trade deadline here um i'm assuming that most of you have not um already been through your deadline some of you may have already and we do apologize if, if you're in that boat but i know that uh standard league it, it's not there yet so um we're gonna open the show with more keeper league stuff more keeper league by low candidates uh you know because at this point in time you know probably half our listeners are kind of out of the mix at this point in terms of making the playoffs so uh to keep things interesting for them keeper league by lows to try to um you know maybe sell some of their guys that have had pretty good seasons this year but get more established names heading into next year uh so we're going to start with some keeper league by lows for uh, teams that are, you know, are kind of out of the mix, but even if you're in the mix still, it, it could be worth it. Um, and then we're just going to go for rest of the season buy low candidate. So if it's a, if it's a redraft league, if it's a keeper league, um, somebody that you can buy low on right now that could help you um, win a championship here in a, in a month or so. So uh, a lot of buy lows to go through today. And then as always, we'll wrap up the show uh, with some uh, weekend streaming targets, some some goalie streaming targets on back-to-backs and, and all that good stuff. So uh, we'll start with the Keeper League by Lowe's um, and talk about Jack Eichel first. Jack Eichel, obviously somebody that we've talked about quite a bit on the show. He's he's um, sitting out right now with an injury. It, 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 I, you know, At this point, I'm not even sure if he will come back. Uh, this year, the Sabres made it sound like he will, but the fact that he, you know, they're pretty much out of it, maybe they won't risk it. But uh, just two goals for him in 21 games this season. He has picked up 16 assists to give him 18 points. But, I mean, this is a guy that was going, you know, um, in the top first round um, last year uh, in, in fantasy drafts, or this year, I should say. So, you know, I'm assuming that a lot of people, especially in keeper leagues, are like, pretty tired of this but there's no real guarantee that jack eichel is going to be with the Sabres long term at this point um they could go ahead and just blow everything up so to me that makes him kind of an ideal uh buy low candidate d we let beebs go off again uh, about the avalanche there for a few minutes so we'll get you back into the mix here um you know talk about jack eichel a little bit 
Uh, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, interesting target for sure in keeper leagues. Um, I don't know, you know, it might be a bit of a rare scenario that you've got a guy in your keeper league who's, uh, you know, comfortably in a playoff spot right now with Jack Eichel on his roster. Because like you said, Brock, a lot of people who have built their teams around Jack Eichel this season obviously are probably uh, feeling the effects of that. But um, yeah, in terms of, you know, bounce back candidates for next season, I, he's obviously the first one that comes to mind. Um, you know, the guy shooting 3.3%, um, as he alluded to, um, shot volume a little bit down on the whole, which was, you know, a bit concerning, but, um, we're talking about 21 games here and obviously, you know, he and the Sabres had their problems in that short stretch, um, as it is. So, uh, yeah, like you said, one of, one of the better bounce back candidates for next season. I like him, whether he's in Buffalo or elsewhere, I don't think he's the type of guy you have to worry about his ice time or his role taking the hit. If he ever did move, I think he just commands, um, a first line role in usage wherever he goes. Um, so yeah, I, even if he goes to a team that already has a number one center, and I think you're looking at just a more split top heavy deployment because obviously you're going to be looking to get Jack Eichel around 20 minutes a game. Um, and yeah, obviously the supporting cast can't get much worse than it is in Buffalo. So wherever he is next year, um, I love him as a bounce back candidate. Um, but yeah, I just don't know how many, how many, uh, keeper leagues are, are really going to be in that spot where the Jack Eichel owners are already comfortably in the playoffs and maybe in a spot where they can sell off for next year. Yeah. Um, realistically, you said it, you know, to put up a point per game on just absolute, uh, dog shit Buffalo teams last couple of years, um, just goes to show how good Eichel actually is. And just goes to show how much of a mess this year is as well. I mean, he, he's done point per game last three years. Um, no reason why uh, he can't really prove it um, going forward and, and continue to give that give you that production, if not better, with those around him. Um, and, yeah, this year's stats are just ugly. I chirped Taylor Hall for having D-man-like stats last week, um, while Jack Eichel very D-man-like stats um, this year as well with his only two goals and 16 assists. Um, again, that's production that I can get from any D-man that I can find on the wire, basically. So, I don't love that from Jack Eichel, but that's hopefully what what other people are thinking, and uh, and I think Jack Eichel is is probably the most one of the top three at least glaring targets on here that I would be uh, pretty much given whatever it took uh, to get for next year. Not whatever it took, but whatever uh, whatever someone thinks they wanted for him, I'd be uh, I'd be trying to make that work. Yeah, the the one like obviously there's a lot of different teams that are going to be interested in Jack Eichel's services. Um, you know, it it, it it's kind of unclear as to who would really be in the in the mix for him but you have to think like a team like maybe like minnesota or something who's got a lot of money coming off the books really needs some centers uh could be an interesting landing spot obviously we're not speculating on to where he's going to go but just to give you an idea of if he does get traded and you end up having him with like a kaprizov or a kevin fiala then i just boosts his value tremendously for next season as as opposed to what what he's been dealing with in Buffalo this year. Um, yeah, he's a player that demands top six minutes too. So like, like D kind of said, it's not no matter where he goes, I can't see him realistically in any lineup where he's not playing a top six center other than maybe Pittsburgh, but he's not going to Pittsburgh. So. Yeah, like there's been a lot of rumors, right, about like New York. Like obviously the Rangers seem to be in on every big name and they always kind of try to go after like that big game hunting. And, and like that's one spot that I guess you could see him going where he would maybe see a little bit of a decreased role. You'd have obviously him and Mika Zibanejad playing kind of a one-two center role, you'd imagine. Um, but still, he's not going to play, know the usage play massive minutes. Like 20 minutes a night, right, New York? Yeah. He goes out there, he still gets more than he does in Buffalo better guys around him um but yeah like you said um you know good things for jack eichel going forward we hope 
Yeah, definitely uh, a huge bounce back candidate for next year. And if you can lure him away for, you know, there's going to be no lower uh, point of his value than, than it is right now. So uh, make that move if you can. Um, another guy that's value uh, seems to be pretty low right now is Andre Svechnikov. Uh, you know, we, we joked in the preseason about how he was going a little bit too early for our liking. We are big Svechnikov fans but he was going a little too early and, and he really hasn't had the season that many expected him. Didn't hasn't really taken that step forward after putting up 61 points in 68 games a season ago, uh, just 26 points, 10 goals, 16 assists in 35 games this year. Um, if he played 68 games, like he did a season ago, he'd be on pace for just 50 and 50 points, uh, 51, maybe. Um, so you know, <laughs> 10 points less than a season ago. So really kind of a step back for him. Uh, the one issue, uh, you know, for Svechnikov has been, you know, the usage has been solid in terms of minutes played. It, it's up from last year, but he really hasn't seen that steady diet of minutes with Sebastian Ajo. Uh, he's played a lot with Jordan Stahl and it just hasn't really you know, they're really trying to stretch that lineup out. And, and from a, you know, a real hockey perspective, it's working tremendously for the Hurricanes. And why would they, you know, change what's, what's been, you know, working extremely well from this year. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, it hasn't been great. So, um, you know, for from a third-year player, a guy that's been, um, you know, very productive through his first three years, but still not really broken through to that top ceiling, uh, he seems like a guy that you could buy low on right now and, and really hope that year four in a full season is the year that he kind of busts through finally. Yeah, I want a written apology from one NHL.com um, on the Daily Faceoff desk for putting this guy in their top six um, wingers. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't have to be written, uh, NHL. You can email it over. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Andrei Svechnikov, um, it, you mentioned it's just kind of an off year for him. There's so much talent around him, um, and it's someone who's not going to be losing ice time going forward. Um, such a young talent, just getting bigger, stronger, better. Um, and this is a guy where, hey, if NHL wants to try to rank him in their top six wingers again next year, um, it'll be a bit more justified. Still will be absolutely bonkers, but uh, be a bit more justified. So you're you're trading for a guy who's having an off year, um, only getting better, and uh, and and just a lot of really exciting pieces around him in Carolina. Going like Brock said, usage in Carolina is kind of shitty um, for shortage, um, and we saw it with Nino. Uh, we've seen it with other players that we want to get more time and that is scary. But at the same time, you know, maybe remind someone of that as you're making the deal, let them know, Hey, he's, he's never going to see more Jordan than, Saul. He's on the third line. He's never going to see more than 17 a night, even next year. Don't worry about it. Waste of time. I'll give you a 20 minute winger. Um, and then yeah, make that deal. But yeah, Svechnikov's a guy who's going to be a uh, definite top 20 in keeper leagues. Um, I could see across the board, uh, which, which might even be a ridiculous rating as is, but still it's nice to have those highly rated guys, get him now and maybe even wait till those ratings come out and then totally rip someone off again at the trade deadline and grab someone who um, can get you a point per game um, for the same value. But yeah, I, I like taking a, taking a swing at uh, Andre Svechnikov and trying to knock him out like, Oh, we did a few years ago. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah I, think, yeah, I think this is, um, you know, the perfect example of why we always say that you can't just draft based on potential <laughs> fantasy hockey. You have to kind of give some bias to the guys that, um, especially that have, early. have proven to be, you know, those elite point per game producers. And yeah, like you said, bees, especially that early on. I, I really don't think Sveshnikov has been that bad this season. I just think, no. um, you know, the expectations and the projections that were put out there on him were um yeah a pretty a pretty tall ask because uh like i said they're just rates that he's never produced or showed us before at the nhl level uh like you guys said fantastic talent uh, still just 20 years old obviously a very high depth chart in carolina i think our boy nature is probably the one um that people weren't expecting to jump up and maybe take as much minutes and obviously he's occupying a role alongside aho right now 
Um, so yeah, just in general, um, maybe not everything's broken his way, but in terms of where he's at in his career, three years and now 20 years old, um, still looks to me like a guy who's ready and on the cusp of breaking out. But uh, again, obviously, especially in redraft leagues, you, you have to see that sort of production before um, you draft someone or assess that value to them. Um, so I think he's just been yeah, kind of a victim more. of that this season. And in keeper leagues, if you can uh, get someone whose point of view is a little bit clouded by that, then yeah, absolutely jump on it. Yeah. And I remember talking about it in the preseason um, and seeing that ranking and thinking it was a little high because we were basically saying like, this isn't a guy that you want to draft in the first round and literally anchor your entire team to, right? Like you're, you're, ex- you're, you're basing your entire season off of this guy breaking through. And if he does great, but if he doesn't, you're Seward where there's so many other guys that with much more proven track records. And, 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 like, and it, what is an Andre Svechikov breakout even like he, uh, I know that people want it, but it's not like this guy has been like a point machine at any level. I mean, he's done well, but he hasn't, he's not like, you know, yeah, look, not- I, it was pretty unrealistic to expect him to come in and have like a 40 goal pace this year and, yeah. and a 80 points pace. It's, it's, Pretty unrealistic when you know you're still kind of, um, you know, third or fourth in the pecking order in Carolina. So you know, um, you know, and maybe like, somebody like the Carolina. It's just like they're just that loaded, and the guy's 20 years old. Why run him into the bo- or run him into the ground? Like it's just it's just great usage. Um, but unfortunately for fantasy, it just really fucking sucks. Yeah, like they're they're one of the deepest top nines in the league when you stretch it out like that, and it, obviously it's working for them in, in terms of you know real hockey. But from yeah, from a fantasy perspective, not quite as good. Um, you know maybe just this is obviously just a quick name that I, that kind of came to mind. Maybe somebody like a Pavel Buchnevich, uh, who's still relatively young, twenty five years old. Um, you know would be somebody that you could float out there for for an Andrei Svechnikov uh, because you know Buchnevich is obviously having a pretty impressive season 32 points in 35 games somebody like that could be maybe somebody that I would move uh, for Svechnikov eh? but uh you know obviously Buchnevich is having a really uh you know pleasant season as well next to Mika Zabanjad but all right Elias Pettersson uh let's just quickly talk about him I I think he'll be a little bit more difficult to pry away from from um you know his owners just because he actually hasn't had a bad season at all. Uh, really 21 points in 26 games isn't terrible, but he is injured right now. And then if uh, his, his status is, is a little bit cloudy, the, the Canucks have not really been very forthcoming about what he's dealing with and how long he's going to be out. So if there's an owner out there who, who owns Elias Pettersson and, you know, maybe they're, they're near the top of the table and they need healthy bodies in their lineup. This is a decent opportunity to try to, to get uh, Elias Pettersson from them in, in hopes that, you know, maybe they're just looking for a, a healthy body to fill in that center position. And you can, you, you've got that to offer. So uh, D Elias Pettersson, obviously uh, an elite talent when he's in the lineup, one of the best, uh, you know, power plays when he's healthy, when he's not, the Canucks have really struggled. So um, you got to like what you're getting with him. If, if you can prime away. Yeah. And um, you know, he did have that really slow start to the season. So you don't know if that's really weighing on the particular owners. Um, feelings towards him uh, now. Um, yeah, there's certainly a point where you could have jumped on him probably a few weeks into the season with all the, uh, I, I guess, negative or, or just batshit crazy shit that was getting <laughs> written about. Um, Pedersen, we heard, you know, had people tweeting at us and saying, talking about how they were dr- dropping him in, uh, in redraft leagues. So, um, yeah, I don't know how much that's really damaged his reputation <laughs> or, or his perception, I guess, in, uh, in keeper leagues, but t- totally agree. I think this guy's you know, proven he's a bona fide point per game player. You can, um, you can rely on that if you are giving up a lot of assets to get him. So treat him as such. And obviously in Cooper leagues, 
he's just 22 years old or 23 years old. So you should have a lot more um, years with that sort of production behind him. Yeah. yeah just, just to go off that. Uh, so just to remind you guys quickly, um, after a slow start, we only had two points in his first eight games, his last 18 games, he had nine goals, 10 assists, 19 points in his last 18. Uh, so Beebs, obviously uh, that kind of production, if you can pick that up heading into next season uh, for an owner that needs a healthy body, you got to want to do it. Yeah, quick ad. I was just going to say, literally, if you can trade anyone, what, not top 30, um, outside of the top 30 for this guy, outside of the top 20, maybe I'd be doing it. Um, I, I really like, um, like this is a this, this is a top 30 player next year um, when healthy. So I think you got to kind of do whatever you can to get Elias Pettersson, if you can. Um, if it doesn't mean, you know, trading one of, one of the bigs. Um, okay. <laughs> this is one of the, the names that you can definitely buy low on right now. And I think he's probably uh, one that makes the most sense as well. And that's Patrick Liney. Who would have thought <laughs> going to play for John Tortorella wasn't going to work for Patrick Liney. It has not gone very well at all. Uh, some articles have come out about how he's just like not even getting opportunities, not getting shots. Uh, it just basically, um, hating his life in Columbus. Uh, this is a guy that is going to be um, a free agent at season's end. So um, chances are that he is not going to be back in Columbus. I wouldn't imagine. I think obviously they're going to do uh, everything that they can to, to resign him. Obviously he's an RFA, so they, they've got his rights. But, um, you know, if he doesn't want to sign and they, and they want to move him, It'd be or they so have Columbus to move him, um, it, it would make, a, you know, like obviously they're not going to lose him for nothing, but they're not – uh, they, they might have a difficult time re-signing him. Uh, so if he ends up with another team, that's obviously going to help him. Or maybe they're like, okay, in order to re-sign them, we have to fire Tortorella and bring in a coach that, that can get the most out of Patrick Line. Either way, it's good news for Patrick Line. So given what he's offered uh, fantasy owners to this point in the season, uh, it seems like it would be pretty easy to, to, to pull off a trade here. Just 17 points in 29 games with only nine goals. So um, it hasn't worked out, but... Obviously, somebody I think that still has plenty of goal scoring potential in the right situation or with the right coach. Yeah. Um, is there any team that it would be more fitting for for them to lose this guy for nothing um, than Columbus, though, after what we've seen in the last couple of years with uh, with the bread man, with the Duchesne man? Uh, what other man can I mention that's a really good player that they've lost for nothing? Um, obviously, Josh life. Anderson feels like it at this point. <laughs> really does yeah the josh anderson man um just as a healthy max domi again but um yeah um there there's we, we it's crazy to see a guy almost regress in the goal scoring category um for someone who we thought was just such a natural goal scorer but um i i will give you guys props uh you called out his i believe it was his 18 percent shooting percentage that he had going through two years and it seems that that's kind of coming back to bite him but at the same time He's definitely a better player than what he's been giving us. And uh, he's probably one of the most frustrating players besides Taylor Hall in the league this year. Um, and someone who I, I think you can make trades for. Absolutely. Um, even in keeper leagues, people are, people are really starting to undervalue this guy. Um, just for example, I was out golfing with someone last week who, uh, who, who, who traded him for Brad Marchand value earlier in the year, already considering moving him for way, way less. Um, <laughs> and I love hearing that. Definitely not getting Brad Marchand value back at the moment. Um, so if you do own him, I'd hang super tight. But if you don't, I'd be making a lot of pushes. We talk about how we love goals and uh, you're not going to get much better goal production when this guy is going. But uh, now's, now's your time. You might not really have a, another shot if he gets hot or goes somewhere that he can just become a monster. And I'd take that risk. 
Yeah, yeah, I think um, this is one of the really feasible targets because um, I would be really worried about his production for the rest of the year if I did own him. Um, mm-hmm. Because you just don't know how consistent of a role he's going to have under Torres. We're seeing his minutes jump from 13 minutes one game, 18 the next, back down to 12 the following game, right? So, um, yeah, just really inconsistent. And, you know, you don't even really trust him to be given the right opportunities when he is given the ice time at this point. There's, you know, clearly a, a solid disconnect there. And like said, Brock, not surprising. Line A, um, I think pretty obviously, like most players these days, a guy who probably needs to be coddled <laughs> a little bit. Um, and, yeah, if, you, if you're expecting him to give you effective two-way hockey with a ton of back-checking, then you shouldn't have traded for Patrick Line A. But, um, so, yeah, I don't know what they were really expecting. I don't know if Yarmo and Torres weren't on the same page pulling the trigger with this sort of thing. But, I mean, Tortorella couldn't get along with Dubois either, so I, I don't know what he what he expects. Yeah. I, I would it's assume they're going to move on from him um, and try to, um, you know, resolve whatever issue there is with Line A. That's obviously the move to make. You, you can't trade or you can't trade away Tortorella for, you know, uh, the esteemed package that you gave up for Patrick Line A. So um, you got to make it work with Line A. I, I'm assuming Torts is on the way out. So either way, it should be a lot better for Line A next season. Like I said, though, this year, It'd be really worrying if I did own him. So I think he's a really feasible target to go after, especially in leagues if we're talking about, um, you know, if you're limited to three, four, maybe five keepers. Um, any sort of playoff team uh, in a keeper league, you know, Patrick Line is probably going to be pushing the edge of those um, those restrictions. And like I said, if it's uh, a smaller, uh, smaller league in terms of keepers. So, um, yeah, certainly a great one to go after um, because, one, I'm really worried about his production the rest of the season. Two, I think he's going to be great next year. And uh, three, yeah, if he is on a playoff team in a keeper league, they, they've probably got uh, a lot of depth and wouldn't hate to, to see him go. Yeah, I, I think that. it would be pretty easy to make a trade for him at this point. Like yeah. even just somebody doing, you know, somewhat maybe somebody who was drafted in like this, you know, 50 to 75 range is having a somewhat decent season. That's probably right on the edge of your keeper uh, pool. It, it would be probably like something that somebody would pull the trigger on uh, to try to win a championship. All right. I'm going to lump these next three guys together and I'll have you guys pick uh, who you guys would prefer. Uh, the first being Travis Konechny, uh seven goals, 14 assists for 21 points in 29 games. The second being Dylan Larkin, six goals, 13 assists, 19 points in 34 games. And the third being Kevin Fiala, 10 goals, nine assists, 19 points in 32 games. Uh, D, we'll start with you here. Um, you know, Fiala is somebody that we were very high on after a really good year. It just hasn't worked out. I'm, I'm, I'm really not all that surprised because, you know, Minnesota has literally zero centers. Um, Dylan Larkin obviously continues to struggle a little bit here as the Red Wings continue to suck ass. Um, and then Konechny is just a guy that a lot of people expected to take a big step forward this year, and it has not really uh, happened. Some other wingers in Philadelphia have really stepped up around him without, and it's kind of limited his overall production. So of these three, who would you rather have? Um, I think it's a pretty tricky call. Um, Konechny, if you ever, you know, really knew or, or that he was going to be getting um, 18, 19 minutes a night, I think it would really um, – improve yeah. uh you know any sort of value that he could offer you in, in, in terms of a uh, fantasy hockey but um as it is he just he just doesn't really shoot enough to to justify you know giving up any sort of significant assets for um if he's only playing 15 16 minutes a night i love him i think he's got a you know uh, a bunch of talent bright future ahead of him um, but in terms of fantasy i really do think he's a guy that needs to be in a spot where he can churn out 18 19 minutes a night get a lot of PP one time 
Uh, what we've seen in his career, he just doesn't shoot the puck enough. Dylan Larkin, on the other hand, probably the complete opposite, right? Doesn't have a ton to play with. It's shown up in his personal shooting percentage and on-ice shooting percentage pretty much his entire career. Um, I think, you know, in terms of fantasy, this is a guy that just really would absolutely benefit from any sort of move uh, away from Detroit. Um, sorry to say it, Brock. I know I keep bringing it up. I know um, I think captain, Friedman man. the other day said uh, Detroit was ready to wheel and deal for the summer, but of course Dylan Larkin was untouchable, so I don't know who they're expecting to wheel and deal with if, uh, if that's the case. But Adam Murray. Um, yeah, I still, the more I look at it, like I, like, I, like I said before, I just have a hard time lining up Dylan Larkin's prime with any sort of competitive hockey that's going to be coming up in Detroit. So uh, I know he's the crown jewel. I think he's a terrific hockey player, but I think eventually he's going to have to move on. Um, I don't know if it happens next season, though, but I, it's either him or Fiala for me. I think it just comes down to position eligibility and what you have, because obviously Larkin being a straight center with his returns this season and the brutal plus minus you're going to get. Um, not the most attractive solution. So I think Fiala in, you know, kind of standard leagues, probably the most reasonable choice. Um, but if you're feeling risky, if you, if you're, you want to want to shoot for upside, I think Larkin's the play. Yeah. Um, D for being so early in the morning, you're on, on absolute fire here. Um, cause that's two <laughs> straight ones where I've just, been I'm in like, a trance. I'm just like, above this, my body right now. It's, it must be the coffee. There must be something special in there. Um, I, I, I gotta agree with you for me, it's, uh, Kevin Fiala and that, that what did it, um, you mentioned it's the positioning Fiala's got right wing, left wing, Larkin's just got strict center. Uh, one thing that does kind of pop out to that's hilarious about Konechny three straight years of 24 goals this year, if we played 82 games, he's on pace for about 24, 25 ish goals. So I think we know, I, th- I think we have a good understanding of what he's going to do in the goal category. I'm just going to put a random guess out there, but it's probably about 24 goals across 82 games. Um, but D, you said it just a little bit more uses for connecting. It'd be great. If there is ever a time to go after him, it is now that Philadelphia team's a sh- uh, just a tire fire. It's a wreck. And it's a team that a lot of people had as a playoff contender this year. So um, one that can, I, I can see turning around next year, but Kevin Fiala, the reason that he just, just takes it for me. It was just that little push at the end of the year last year. It's just so exciting. We've seen kind of spurts from all three of these guys, but nobody really seemed to dominate Brock. I'm sorry to, to, to say Larkin hasn't, but what Fiala did at the end of last year was just unbelievable over a point per game guy. Um, just a ton of goals, a bajillion shots. Um, and I guess I just kind of have hope. I think we all do that. He can get back to there um, after what's been an off year this year. So for me it goes, uh, I think we go Fiala, Mm. Larkin Nagy. Uh they're tied. They're tied. Um but yeah, Fiala takes the, takes the one for me. Just uh you know, I, I don't I don't know. I think I'm just dumb and and blindly loving this guy and uh, I'm going to continue to do it until I go to my grave with you guys. So, yeah. Konechny, uh the shot volume is really bad this year. Uh, he, on, on pace for 141 shots um across an 82 game season, which is exactly what he had last year in just 66 games. Uh, with his current shooting percentage, that would just be 18 goals across a full 82-game season. So the production is really down for him. Um, to me, Kevin Fiala and Dylan Larkin are almost like identical um, players in terms of like their overall fantasy production. Um, I think you know you might have a little bit of greater assist upside with, with Larkin and a slightly higher yeah. uh, goal upside with Kevin Fiala. But overall, their production is very, very similar. So like you uh, alluded to, D, it's basically just 
uh, comes down to what your need is as an owner. Um, but I think both are pretty attractive targets to kind of round out your keepers, depending on how many you get. Um, you know, obviously some team, some leagues are like dynasty leagues where you keep everybody. Uh, both are really, uh, I would expect to have better seasons next year, but they're in similar, their, their prediction production is pretty similar. Um, and then their, their surrounding cast is pretty similar right now too. I mean, Larkin doesn't really have many wingers to play with. And Fiala has no centers to play with. So kind of in similar boats here. Um, Rossman Stalin was a guy that obviously, you know, was expected to be kind of like the second coming, the, one of the, the next great offensive defensemen in the NHL. And, and to date, it really hasn't happened. I mean, even his first two seasons, you know, they were solid. Um, you know, last year he had 40 points and 59 games. Really, really good production. Obviously, you'd like to see him play a little bit more, stay healthy. Uh, this year, though, just 12 points in 36 games. Um, is this just that Rasmus Dahlin may not be quite as good as we thought he was, or is this just the Sabres suck ass and he's just kind of a bit of byproduct of that? Uh, I, I think the Sabres just suck ass and he's a byproduct of that right now. I do think, uh, people, people kind of touted this guy as like the next Eric Carlson. I think that that's a little aggressive. Um, incredibly aggressive actually. Um, <laughs> and, uh, also, shout out to Eric Carlson for that amazing interview this week. Um, but yeah, for, I thought about for, eating an apple on today's show. But. Yeah, yeah Brock, is that is, is this your best ever show? Not even close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, like you said, last year's forty and fifty nine was just so exciting. Uh, we thought that maybe we we had a true breakout this year. And just uh, if if we're gonna talk about Hall and Eichel having terrible years, then obviously the other pieces around him just aren't gonna necessarily be getting those assists and when we're only seeing what is it now four goals between Eichel and Hall um where's the points for our boy Deline who's an assist first guy um definitely a buy low and it's someone who applies incredibly almost like line a like D said he's not really going to help you much this year he's not going to help teams much this year but if you are in a keeper league um a deeper obviously one than one where you'd be going after line a um like say you're in a 10 team keeper this is someone i could see someone in a 10 team keeper really floating around really debating not wanting to keep um, especially with other D men around them stepping up and just kind of breaking out, um, you know, Jacob Chutrin's stuff like that. Um, guys that people might want to keep over Dulling. Um, and I, I, I like Dulling. Um, but yeah, again, but something's got to happen in Buffalo. Fuck, I don't know. It, it can't, we've said, we say it every week, but it's, it's going to get like, it can only get better. Um, it kind of already has gotten better. We saw him score six goals the other night. Um, but yeah, so so Dolene is definitely someone I'd like to target. I don't think he's a bust by any means. He's he's 20 years old, so this is uh, which is crazy to think of that he's gonna next year if you can get him. He's gonna be 21 years old going into his fourth um, full season. I guess 22. Um, but yeah, so definitely definitely keep an eye on that that boy. Yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with you guys. I think you guys have you know hit, hit the nail on the head here. Um, what he did last year was super impressive. You know, he didn't score a lot of goals, but he had 40 points in 59 games while playing just 19 a night, right? So that's what that's crazy. Um, yeah. I think drove a lot of excitement around uh, the breakout. Um, for me, in, in particular, you know, there, you know, only 90 shots in those 59 games, a bit of a red flag in terms of uh, reliability. Um, and then, you know, 19 of those 40 points came on the power play. So obviously. Um, with the complete drop-off in production from Eichel, with the, all the disappointment there's been from Hall, um, that Sabres power play just hasn't clicked like we maybe thought or hoped it would. Uh, Brock's boy, Victor Olofsson, hasn't got to rip as many bombs as, uh, as we might have hoped. Um, so, yeah, um, and again, Darlene's still being limited to around 20 minutes, 41 seconds a night, which 
you know, um, not not chump change, but by any means, but Let certainly free, a, a guy that's uh, yeah, you know, you're, was drafted to be um, a generational um, defender and a cornerstone of any team's blue line. Uh, you maybe expect him to be eating more minutes at this point. So I think you know, obviously, a move away would not be the worst thing, but it's got to be a place where he can go and command a lot of power play time. Um, because yeah, that's uh, pretty pretty uh, necessary for fantasy defensemen these days. Uh, but I agree. I think it's a guy that you know, I a trade should happen. I think if uh, if I was in a position where I had no other good defenseman to keep, he's a guy that's fine to roll the dice on. Um, but he's also someone that I wouldn't be shocked if it takes another two or three years for him to really become uh, a, a number one bona fide fantasy defenseman. So I'd be happy to to let him go if I had some other coverage at the position and get something back to help me for my run this year. So I think he's a great target um, and uh, yeah, a bit of a high risk, high reward um, sort of pickup. Yeah, I, I think he f- he compares pretty favorably to somebody like Quinn Hughes, where he may not be quite the uh, established defender in his own end, you know, at this point in his career, and that's kind of limiting his minutes. Um, I, you know, like you mentioned, his shot volume is not tremendous. Uh, even this year, it's, it's been better than last year, but still uh, falling behind a little bit of what he did in his rookie year. So he's never going to be a guy that picks up a lot of goals. Uh, it, he'll, he'll struggle to probably hit. Uh, double digits, you know, as long as he continues to shoot the amount of shots that he does. Uh, but the assist production should be there as long as, you know, they can find a surrounding cast for him. If he remains in Buffalo, it's going to be difficult for him to really have any sort of production next year, uh, I would imagine. But it, it, maybe they just have a full fire sale um, and, and try to just load up on assets and, and start over. I don't know what their plan is. But uh, to me, I, I'm a little nervous because if, you know, maybe they do trade Jack, but they hold on to, to Darlene next year and they're going to be really, really bad. So it, it's a little bit more difficult. I love him as the player, uh, but I just, it's going to be, it's difficult to really project what they're going to do this offseason and, and how it's going to affect him overall. Um, Alexis Lafreniere is a guy that we've talked about quite a bit, uh, really has not had the, you know, the season that we'd expect. Uh, or expected only 11 points, five goals, six assists in, in 36 games this year. He's not even getting power play two time right now. Uh, they're, 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 Eight minutes the other night. Yeah, he's just not getting the usage at all. Uh, so I, I think, like, obviously in a keeper league, he is got a tremendously bright future. It's going to be most likely very difficult um, to take him off of the hands of, of whoever owns him because you know most people aren't stupid. He, he is going to be good at some point. It's just you know this year. It, it's not working. Um, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta have those humbling moments as a, you know, an 18, 19 year old kid in the league and he's definitely going through it. So, you know, if, I guess this, the one thing to say is if, um, you know, it is a playoff team in your league that owns Lafreniere, you might be able to have a better opportunity there. Unlikely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's the only real thing. Like if it's not a playoff team, then you pretty much have no chance because he does have an extremely bright future, but um, you know, every league's different, and if you're in that scenario, I think he's definitely worth uh, worth targeting. I'm kind of yeah. surprised he's actually down to 27 percent Yahoo leagues. Um, I thought just with keeper leagues that that'd be higher, but yeah, go ahead there, D. No, that's probably about right. Probably about 27 percent of leagues yeah. are, are keeper. Our leagues, keeper right? leagues, but, yeah, yeah, 26 um, are, and the other one's a huge league. Yeah, I've been a big proponent of dropping Lafreniere in redraft leagues for a few months now. Um, Smart and boy. yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better this year. Obviously, a huge generational talent. Um, yeah, it's just tricky because, like you said, it, it's hard to imagine a ton of leagues where um, a bona fide playoff team or someone who's driving for the championship has Lafreniere on the roster. Um, you know, unless it's like an auction league, most um, keeper leagues tend to do standings based off or tend to do the draft order based off the standings from the year before, just like, you know, the NHL or, or something similar to that. So 
Um, to lottery. get Lafreniere in a keeper league, you probably had to use the first overall pick on him. So unless you maybe traded for that draft pick or something, um, you probably had a, a pretty weak cast to begin with. And then obviously adding Lafreniere uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have helped your chances this season. So all of that to say is, yes, uh, he's probably on a pretty shitty team in your keeper league. But if he is on a good team, certainly got to go after because, again, if unless we're talking about a league with 10 to 15 keepers, if you if you have a competitive team, uh, you're going to have a lot of guys that, you know, can definitely bring you value next season and production. And it's going to be a tough decision keeping someone like Lafreniere, who is going to end up with like, you know, 15 points. I just looked across my four keeper or across my four leagues, three are keeper. He is on the last place team in all three keeper leagues. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, so that lines up. I think you hit it. You hit it on the nail there, D. Um, he's he's going to be tough to snag off of people because uh, likely he, he went to a bad team and he also helped bring down the ship this year. Mm-hmm. Um, with that bad team but i mean hey if you got someone who is incredibly pissed off and uh is mad that he he cost them this year that, that you know he is only getting these yeah. short embarrassing amount of, of, of time then yeah i would definitely jump in like auction it's probably uh probably the one hope like i said oh yeah maybe maybe got a decent team who spent a ton of money on him and then thinking twice about keeping him for that value next year. So Absolutely. And when you're looking at a guy who's getting, let me just read this out, 8-11, 10-57, 8-13, and 11 minutes in his last four games, I look at that and I'm like, Who, who's this fourth liner who's taking up my roster spot right here? Um, so, yeah, so so definitely want to get that guy out of there if you are in any contention to uh, to win it this year. So, yeah, so make a stab. But if, if you're in, if you're not in a normal – or not in a weird league like that in a normal league where he's on a bottom of the roster team – even still, I think there are not many players who are going to take a jump next year. So if you can say you have a Jason Robertson this year, he's absolutely killing it. Rookie like that, Eli Tolvanen. Um, I would say try to move those guys if you can for him, Tim Stutzel. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that. But, uh, but yeah, I would try to say realistically, if you can move any rookie or any young piece from this year for Lafreniere and someone's going to take it, I'd do it. Yeah, even if you can move an, an older piece and, and keep all of the young guys. Yeah. Um, the the one thing that, you know, maybe is starting to come into question here is potentially really, you know, how good are the Rangers at developing players? I mean, Capo Caco really hasn't nope. had uh, had the seasons that we, we would expect after being the second overall pick. Um, you know, he's looked a little bit better lately playing with Panner and Strom, but I mean, he's, it, you know, struggled mightily last year. And and Lafreniere's uh, rookie season here is very reminiscent of what we got from Kako a year ago. So uh, maybe these they're they're bringing these guys along maybe a little bit too quickly, and they should should have let them. You know, obviously this year was a bit of a weird year with Lafreniere not really anywhere to go there to start the season. But um, with you that know, maybe, same breath of air, Brock, do you consider Capo Kako a potential buy low? I think so too. Yeah, I, I think definitely he, he's in there. I, I think that maybe his upside is probably a little bit more uh, limited than uh, Lafreniere, but I, I think I would, you know, especially in the deeper keeper leagues, um, I think he would be pretty easy, somebody very easy to, you know, pick off of a, of a keeper team, you know, most likely on waivers and some of them even potentially. Uh, so yeah, I think they both still have great futures. I would imagine that Lafreniere's ceiling is a little bit higher going forward, but um, I still think that they're both going to be pretty good. And, you know, as that aging core kind of starts to fade away and they start, you know, landing prominent top six roles, then, um, then yeah, I think that they're both probably pretty solid. Um, another guy just to quickly talk about here, Nico Heischer, obviously he's been out most of the year. Uh, so 
he's not kind of a guy that that's really, you know, a first overall pick. He's probably, he could potentially be on a good playoff team in your league um, sitting on their IR for the entirety of the season. But uh, he looked really solid in the couple games that he did play. Uh, he's been, you know, pretty good throughout his career, 138 points in 214 games to this point, uh, but still kind of, you know, he would, in most teams, he's going to be towards the bottom of your roster anyway. Um, so I definitely wouldn't be giving up a whole lot here, but he is somebody that, um, you know, you, you can pick up for really cheap if you're in a, like a dynasty league that that holds on to a lot of players because he, he is definitely still the future, uh, maybe number two, number one center in in, in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we talk about the bottom bottom guys you want on your roster. We say it's around like 50, 55 points um, on, on, say, a standard 12, 12 man league. And this, that's what he did in his rookie season. And probably what was a down year, he got 52 and 82. Um, someone who... who you mentioned it. it was kind of an exciting couple of games he had there just got the c strapped on his chest um and then he went down uh for the year surprisingly 24 percent still on so um if we're going to talk about um uh lafreniere being 27 i think uh he should be I think we just found out i think it's we just a, found out exactly how many percent our keeper league yeah. exactly 24 percent is the baseline <laughs> exactly yep and uh but at 22 um this this is a guy I, I i don't know i talked about the eye test but he really does tend to dominate when he's going i mean in the in the five games we saw this year it's an incredibly small sample size um but someone who's going to get the minutes uh he he's they've committed to him they, they they've larkened him um, they've given him that C so he's stuck there um, and he's going to be their number one if not number two behind Jack Hughes but um, I think number one center for the future so someone who I uh, I personally am stashing in a couple leagues and someone I would uh, maybe if you're in a deeper league you know I, per, I'm stashing him as my potential 10th keeper in all these leagues uh, just as someone I can float and have um, but also don't give up someone you know who you, you who you're for sure going to keep because um, there, there's a bit of a risk with this one he's not so much a, a sure lock I think um, as some of the other guys, but at the same time, I, I would like having him at least uh, to debate when next year starts uh, to keep. And I think you can get him on your team pretty easy. So. Yeah, I think um, interesting. Cause I, I think he's a terrific two way player um, and certainly, you know, has the potential to, to push his offensive upside in the next few years. Um, but it's hard to imagine him really just, you know, having some top tier production that, you know, warrants, uh, rostering someone with a straight center eligibility just with what he has around him. I, I think he kind of um, needs a really high caliber player with him to put up any sort of reliable points just because he's not going to, you know, he's not going to go out and score 40 goals. So he needs someone who can put uh, bury the puck um, with him. Kyle Palmieri is a, a fine player, but, you know, it doesn't, or it really seems like his days in New Jersey yeah, are numbered. So I'm gone. just a little bit concerned about what's going to be left for he should have played with. Uh, in the next couple of seasons because uh yeah obviously we don't expect him to even be playing um with jack hughes a, a ton at 5v5 with them yes, um, brat. Know, both being uh centermen predominantly uh yeah brat but again we're talking about no, i'm you know, totally kidding pretty... that guy's got three goals this year yeah we're, yeah exactly we're not talking about um you know uh i guess top tier offensive uh producers and more just you know half decent complimentary guys if anything so um, yeah, Brat, maybe a guy I'd love to add to a, a playoff team and, you know, bring him in on your second or, or third line and add some depth on the wing, yeah, but not he's not your, your top six. Yeah. He's not your Taylor Hall that's going to go up and, uh, put up a heart trophy season and that he sure can kind of play alongside and, uh, and play to their strengths. So yeah, not someone that I would expect to uh, really light up the, uh, um, I guess the goals and assist charts, um, until he gets more help around him. So, um, I guess just keep that in mind if you are making a move for him. Even still, too, you know, 
being on the same team as Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes is going to be the guy that, that sees those cushier matchups and is, is given the, the better offensive wingers and expecting to put up the points where eventually you would imagine that Nico Heischer kind of fills that, that, that Travis Zajac role of as more Yeesh. of a shutdown two way center. So um, it, it's going to be difficult for that production to really follow. Um, Victimized success. Yeah. And, and then realistically, um, you know, this is a guy that's had a tough time staying healthy. I mean, even prior to this year, uh, he's missed 24 games in each of the last two years combined. So um, health is definitely a concern there. Um, okay, before we get to the rest of the season by lows, let's. I just want to go with one more uh, trio here as to which you guys would prefer targeting here for a keeper league. Uh, the first being Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee, obviously not really much of a buy low candidate, um, but maybe somebody that other teams are trying to sell high on that you could definitely pick up because he's had a pretty good year. Um, and, and compares favorably to these next two names. So Joel Farabee, 14 goals, 27 points this year in 34 games. Dennis Girionov, 6 goals, 12 assists, 18 points in 34 games. Anthony Manta, 10 goals, 8 assists, 18 points in 37 games. Beams, we'll start with you. You had Manta in your top 10 wingers this year. Are you still riding the Manta train as opposed to Girionov or Farabee? Fuck, was that a mistake. My God, um, I'm going to call a spade a spade. That was a terrible call. Um, some people just have wishful thinking for the Detroit Red Wings. And then some people just like to have their hearts ripped out. And I'm I'm both um, terrible. Anyways, um, <laughs> for that reason, Mantha will be third on this list. Uh, <laughs> just bury them now. <laughs> but, You're not uh, even my top 100 anymore. <laughs> nope. Uh, who? who? Anthony, what? Um, but yeah, Joel Farabee is my number one here. And uh I guess that's just a compliment to what Farabee's really done this year as a 21-year-old on that Philly roster. Um, 14 goals, 13 assists for 27 through 34 games. A lot of those points came early in the year. Um, he was, he he was. I'll admit too, I made another mistake. I thought he was the week one, uh, I'm going to explode and then everyone's going to pick me up. I'm going to be 80% owned and then not do anything all year player. Um, the Pavel Bushnevich of previous years award, as we call it. But, uh, but no, this guy stayed pretty steady all year. Um, and why I really like him, uh, going forward is at only 21, he's their, he's their first round pick. He really is the future, um, future goal scorer in Philly, one of their main offensive weapons. And they've shown that they're willing to give him that PP one time. Um, they're willing to give him that line one time and, and, and the pieces around him, um, they just, they just seem to be getting older and, uh, and Farabee's getting, uh, you know, he's, he's turning into, turning into prime Farabee right now. And, and we're witnessing something nice. Uh, maybe not prime therapy, but 14 goals in 34 games is great production right now. And uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe that would be top 30 goal production. So I do like that. Um, Dennis G coming in second, been super high on this guy all year. Really liked him at the beginning of the year as it looked like him and Rupe um, hints were just going to explode, but then a couple injuries around him, a couple other things going on in Dallas, um, just a terrible season. Doesn't help anyone either. But Gary Onov, um, I talked about it early on in the year. He was at the beginning a number one shooting option on their power play. Um, another young former first round pick at only 23. Someone who, uh, who I think they're going to continue to keep as their shooting option in Dallas. So I like owning either of these guys if you are in a keeper league a lot. Um, and then finally, I have to talk about Anthony. Uh, I don't know, shit's uh, Mantha, whatever we call him. Um, sorry, Anthony Mantha is a phenomenal player, but just what I, I just de-alluded de to it with Larkin. There's just not a lot of talent in Detroit. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of talent for a couple of years, and I, I'm just not willing to wait. Um, where I think the two other guys around us are a lot, uh, a lot more sure bets to be in a 
great top six. Uh, maybe not great, but at least a, a formidable top six um, where I just don't think that Manta has that around him in Detroit. Say if Manta was finding himself in Farabee's position or in Garyano's position in Dallas, I would have him at first here easy, but it's just a, a matter of the product around him. So give me Farabee first, Garyano second, and Manta third on that list. All great goal, young goal scorers. All someone that uh, that I could easily see switching this list around next year as luck goes one way or another with shooting percentage. But uh, but for now, I gotta just I gotta I gotta go Fairby. But I could definitely see a case for any of these guys being in any order here. For sure, I think um, you know I, I think hopefully for in Mantha's case anyway. But I think that all their best days are certainly ahead of them. Um, mm-hmm. The three of these guys. Um, I'd give Farabee the edge over Giryanov for sure. Um, I, I like Giryanov a lot, but um, like you say, just a, a bit crowded in there right now. Um, I do love how much he's shooting the puck, though. I, I do think he's definitely one to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, but yeah, not someone, um, maybe like, again, maybe we just haven't seen it as much as we have from someone like uh, Anthony Mantha um, or even Farabee this season. Um, so I, I'd give Farabee the, or uh, sorry, the edge over Giryanov. I do really like Mantha, uh, in terms of a target here for a couple of reasons. One, I think you can get him for next to nothing. Um, he might even be available on the waiver wire, even if it is a keeper league, um, just cause there's so much disdain towards the Red Wings, um, uh, right now. And if, uh, yeah, if anyone's sleeping on it at all, but I, I just think there's a really, really good chance he gets moved in the summer. Um, so if you can pick him up for next to nothing and just stash him away in the hopes that he does get moved, any sort of move away from Detroit is going to be huge for this guy. He can take a dip in minutes and he's still going to push, you know, uh, I guess 170, 200 shots a year. He can hit that while playing in 16 minutes a night with his shooting rates. Um, so, yeah, I just I would love to see him stay healthy and play um, with a really solid supporting cast. I mean, we saw what he did last year. Um, just with that full-fledged usage and, and obviously playing pretty extensively with Larkin at 38 points in 43 games. Um, so, yeah, I just absolutely love his shot volume. I think if he can get out of Detroit um, and, and really get into a, a, a team where he can maybe play a bit of a more complimentary role and still, um, like I said, carve out maybe 16, 17 minutes a night, I think he'll be a great piece. Um, and certainly, like I said, just more effective uh, next year in the coming year if he can get a move. Uh, than either Farabee or, or Giryanov. I, I think they're more um, long-term, uh, uh, have maybe more long-term upside than uh, than Mantha. But if Mantha can get a move away, I, I would I would love to have him on my team next season. Uh, and Farabee, his production may, maybe just a little bit too volatile for me. Reminds me of Konechny. Um, the shot volume is solid, uh, but I don't think it would carry him to the point where if he had a bit of fall off or maybe, you know, slip down the depth chart even just a little bit uh, like Konechny has this season, I, I think his production would take a pretty... Um, serious hit, but um, certainly all three of these guys, um, Giriotov and Farabee, to be sure, ones for the future. Uh, but yeah, I, I just love uh, Mantha's potential next year if he can get a move away from Detroit. Yeah, and Mantha's got to be the top of my list too. Um, I, as we talk about this, obviously, I, I really hope that Detroit can, you know, they do see and other teams to do see his potential and, you know, the Red Wings can at least still get a pretty good return for him because trading him away for peanuts, he, he I feel like he's going to go off wherever he goes and it's going to be terrifying. Um, the one thing too is he's really kind of picked up his production as of late as well. Four goals forced is eight points in 11 games. Um, he's starting to get things going a little bit. Uh, he's played over 19 minutes in over that stretch too. So uh, he, he's getting better here this year after a really you know ugly middle of the season. Uh, but yeah, it depend if he goes anywhere, it, it would help a ton, you know, 
just how good would he look and how good of a fit would he be with like Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan on a team that's absolutely starving for a second line right winger, right? Like, you know, they got Brett Ritchie in that role right now. And, and obviously he is just like the poorest of poor uh, Anthony Mantas. So, um, you know, somebody like that would be such a tremendous fit there. And I think that it would really elevate his value. So Mantas, number one, I, I wish Giryanov would shoot more because he's got such an elite shot, but they don't even like to put him on the top power play unit this year for some reason. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to really get too excited about him. And Faraby, you know, I think him and Konechny are going to flip flop spots like every single year. Like it's just, they're, they're both going to be kind of middling um, players in terms of fantasy production, where I think Mantha's ceiling is, is quite a bit higher. Um, all right. Just for about 30 seconds, I just want your eyes take on what's going on with Carter Hart. Obviously we don't know, like goalies are voodoo, but like, is he even somebody that's worth targeting in keeper leagues and just hoping like, Hey, goalies are voodoo. He'll bounce back. Um, you know, in his first two years, he had a nine fifteen save percentage. And then this year an eight sixty nine save percentage, his goals against averages above four. Is this more of a product of the flyers just sucking wind and, and they, they're just not very good. And he's a product of that. And if they, you know, address any of those situations in the off season, he, he'll be better next year. Um, because realistically this is, you know, going to be 23 years old next year on what would seem to be a pretty decent hockey team, you'd imagine. Is he, like, just the greatest by-low goalie ever right now, or is yeah. this trouble? Um, it's scary. It is certainly scary. Um, but at 22, I just don't think there's many other goaltenders that you could go for that have kind of the upside that this guy had, the experience, and kind of have the team around him. Even after this terrible 869 season, he still almost has a 500 record. He's 8-9. and nine. Um across uh with three ot losses i guess so if we want to chuck those in there but we we, we scratch those usually but uh but yeah for, for me um i just don't really I, I i like going for him for what you'd have to give up right now i just don't think you'd have to give up very much and it's someone who you could consider um next year but my thing is if he burns you again you're just back in the same position and and i would hate to see another team being that i know this is this is probably the number one um guy who's killed fantasy teams this year um among anyone because like he he is is people you only draft three goaltenders and he's destroying it if you're keeping goaltenders you're probably only keeping one or two and if you're keeping a guy with an 870 that's really scary um so i i can't make much of a case to keep him but if there was ever someone with the upside um you said at 23 brock most goalies only break out we saw bingington finally break out at 25 um goalie goalies are late bloomers um so for someone to really do what he did at a young age was crazy but um, it's just scary to see right now. And uh, and and there is talk right now about Philly trying to make a trade for a goaltender at the trade deadline. Um, I mean, it's probably just a, a rental. But say they bring in a guy who's more Johnny than... Johnny Bernier. Yeah, say they bring in Bernier and they re-sign him. Um, you're not keeping Hart because they they might they might do a split if Bernier kills it this year. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just... it's, it's, it's it, You're walking on... You're walking on glass, but if there is someone you can take a chance on, it's uh, it's this guy. I mean, we have seen him do it before. We've seen him do it at this level and at a very young age. Um, it just seems like something is fucking going crazy in that dude's mountain right now. And it's kind of sad to see because I know a lot of us had him as maybe the future of Canadian goaltending. And right now I think he's not even the future of my ball hockey team in, uh, in the gym when we're allowed back in COVID. So, yeah. So, so- D, I, I gave you guys each 30 seconds there. Beep's oh, kind of shit. ran with it. And, I and forgot about that. 30 seconds and then some. Yeah, but, dude. but quickly, what do you got on Carter Hart? 
I'm just having a hard time imagining Carter Hart showing up to the gym to play a little ball hockey, and we're like, nah, sorry. And getting lit up. Sub 870 this season. Ain't no way you're getting a net for us. But um, I'm, also, I'm sure he'd want to play out, right? Like, there's no way he's coming yeah, to no, pick up no, ball hockey yeah. to, to play net and get scored on by him. Cool. He's yeah. always just want to show you their hands on that whenever they get a chance. Because they'll be so, like, yeah, watch, they can dangle too. That's okay, my real Carter. take on Carter Hart. Um, no, I, I think he's. You know, I, I think he's a decent trade chip to go after simply because, you know, I, still uh, Vegas money has to be on Carter Hart being the goalie in Philadelphia for the next, you know, however many years. And they obviously have a decent future set up there. So if he can get his uh, shit right, if he can come correct next season, there's going to be a lot of wins waiting for him. Um, but if not, like, I don't think you can really be too patient with any goalie and at least in terms of. Um, not having a stopgap around. So, yeah, I think there's going to be, if it's not Bernier, someone similar next year that um, is certainly capable of coming in and eating starts if, if Hart does struggle. But um, I think no matter what happens this year, he's going to have every opportunity to reclaim that job next year. So, Yeah, the, the thing about him, too, is that, like, at this point, if you're buying low on him, the chances are he's probably your number two goalie going into next season, right, which is a much better situation to gamble on him as opposed to a lot of these teams probably had him as a number one. And, um, you know, if you've got him as your number two, it's a little bit easier to stomach that gamble. The other thing is really, you know, the Flyers are struggling, but it, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot of their struggles have, have been on the back end. Uh, but the core of that team is locked in long-term. This should be a good team moving forward. Yeah. They've got some pieces on the blue line going out. You know, they're going to uh, most likely free up some of Shane Goss's Bears money. Uh, Eric Gustafson is going to be coming off the books this year. So, you know, maybe they're able to shore up that blue line a little bit heading into next year, and that should go a long way uh, for Carter Hart. Um, all right, let's just get to some rest of the season by low candidates. We'll kind of talk about all these guys pretty quickly. It's just guys that basically have been struggling um, over the last month and maybe their owners are starting to grow a little bit frustrated, a little bit tired and, and guys that you can get uh, while their values are at probably their lowest points that they've been all season. So uh, D we'll start with you with the first guy here, John Tavares in his last eight games, just four points, two goals, two assists um, on my DFO DFS show. I talk every single day about Toronto too, because I do love playing them. Their underlying numbers are outstanding. Him and Willie, um, you know, their underlying numbers are terrific. The production just has not quite been there throughout the course of the season. Um, there's lots of talk about how the Toronto's biggest need here coming into the deadline is a winger to play with Tavares and Nylander. Um, so maybe they do add somebody in, in into that uh, line and really help boost them here for the, for the stretch run. Um, you're a guy that watches them every single night. What do you got to say about uh, Johnny T? Yeah, I do. obviously a guy you want to go after. I, I think you feel pretty good about him still pushing a point per game the rest of the way. Um, if anything, if you want to look at, you know, if you want to call it a drop off or the slight drop off in his production or even the cold streak, it all comes down um, to this terrible stretch they've had with the main advantage. Right. Obviously, that's always going to be a big source of Johnny T's production. And certainly that's, you know, more so the case than ever now that he doesn't have Marner playing on his wing at 5v5. Um, like you say, Brock, him and Elander have been great. But um, of course, that, you know, that co or that Cold Streak, uh, the Maple Leafs have experienced on the power play, also coinciding with some tough buck luck uh, for Taveras and Elander um, at 5v5. So just a tough stretch for him. Nothing in the underlying numbers to suggest, you know, this is any sort of aging curve or anything like that. Playing a little bit less this season. Uh, and like I said, really maybe not getting uh, the prime juiciest matchups. Uh, you know, the last few years, maybe it was more of a 1A, 1B thing. Um, but obviously with Marner and Matthews, you know, being tied to the to the hip this season, um pretty clearly that you know toronto one is the leafs first line and you see it now at the end of games you see it in tight situations whenever they do need a goal 
Uh, Matthews and Marner out there eating minutes, and Johnny T is normally uh, sitting there one leg over the board just waiting in to get a shift in, right? <laughs> so uh, maybe a little bit of a victim of his circumstance, but still a great circumstance to be in uh, with the Maple Leafs in, in terms of uh, fantasy production, fantasy upside. Um, I, you know, looking at watching them play every night, that power play's got to start clicking soon. Uh, the chances are getting created. Uh, puck's just not going in the net. So I, I think, you know, once the power play turns around, we'll see his uh, the point production pick back up close to that point per game pace. You know, a little bit of more puck luck at 5v5. Uh, and certainly, as always, sky's the limit for Tavares. So, yeah, great target. Yeah, just to jump in here quickly before you go, Biebs, um, the one good thing, too, for, for Johnny T right now is is actually probably if the power play is struggling because a lot of times this year um, he had been moved to the second power play unit, but now they're trying to get things going on that power play, and he's been bumped up to that top unit, which hopefully once it starts clicking, they keep him there. Um, I just want to add Willie Nylander so we can talk about him here, too, in the mix. Uh, three goals, three assists, six points in his last 12 games. Both him and Tavares are averaging three shots per game over those two stretches that I mentioned. Um, and then you kind of alluded to it, Dylan, that, you know, the least top line has become their, their top line, right? Uh, but they're also playing the much more difficult matchups on a nightly basis. Like when, when Edmonton comes to town, it, it's McDavid or it's uh, Matthews against McDavid with, a, you know, an angle too, but that's allowed Toronto two to play in the much cushier matchups. A lot of times they're going up against the team's second and third lines most of the night and they've been dominant and it's just a matter of time before they really start to go off. So uh, to me, John Tavares and Willie Nylander, both tremendous by lows. I think Nylander probably a lot easier to pull from a, <laughs> from an owner than, than Tavares at this point, but I still think that they're both tremendous. Uh, Beebs, anything to add on these two guys? No, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's much more I can. And uh, I think that's, that's why we got our certified Maple Leafs guy to throw in that, that power play insight. Cause uh, I had no clue that the Maple Leafs uh, power play was struggling right now. So that well, lines I, up. It's crazy. Like it, it makes me laugh. Cause D I know me and you were kind of talking about it earlier in the season, how when they didn't have Johnny T or Nylander on that top unit, they were kind of going with like one AB. I was just like, man, like, why don't they just take like the Edmonton point of view and just put their four, five best players out on the ice for the entire two minutes and just try to score? Because like, it seems it's almost impossible to stop those guys when you've got Marner, Matthews, Riley, uh, Tavares all out there on the ice together. It's just, it's crazy. But they just, for whatever reason lately, just a huge struggle uh, for them. Um, all right, let's go to Ottawa here. Brady Kachuk is a guy who Ottawa. really had a pretty good season going, uh, but um, it started to struggle a little bit as of late, just six points, two goals, four assists in his last 14 games. But in true Brady Kachuk fashion, the shot volume is tremendous. Uh, 3.9 shots per game over that stretch. Beebs, is he somebody that you think uh, can, can build himself back up here for the stretch run? I think he could build himself up, but I wouldn't be necessarily taking any runs for him. Not as much as I would be for a guy like Johnny T who just has the better surrounding cast. Um, one thing where I do like Chuck, I just really love that he is only, as we mentioned, he's an elite shot producer. So most leagues, if you're in them in their normal leagues, they will have shots as a category. And, uh, and that, that, and, I mean, you're, you're getting a, a number one guy in the league um, there. So even if he doesn't have the other production, you can kind of wait for it to happen. And as we've seen with shots before, the production does follow. Um, so uh, so not, a, not a bad target whatsoever. I do see things getting better than six points in 14 games. That's not really pretty TK style. 54 shots with only two goals is, is just bonkers. Um, that's Taylor Hall stuff. So stop that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he's just a, a category filler, right? This guy just stuffs the, the box score. Um you look at last season, even in the shortened season, he managed 259 shots and 303 hits. So uh, if it's a banger league, if you got shots, 
Um, certainly a guy who's going to be able to um, produce value and be worthy of a roster spot, uh, regardless of what his goals and assists look like. So certainly something to keep in mind because, um, yeah, that's always going to give him a steady floor in those kind of leagues. If you're in a more standard league or, I guess, traditional league um, that just puts all the weight, goals, assists, and plus minus, he's a much tougher sell, maybe a riskier investment. Uh, so you just got to keep it in mind and play to your league scoring. Um, but because, yeah, in the right league, he can be one of the best players to, to own. Yeah, uh, 3.7% shooting percentage over the last 14 games for him. Career 8.6% shooter. Uh, pretty amazing. He leads the NHL in shots this season. So uh, he, he's kind of starting to get to that um, Alexander Ovechkin territory, right? Like where he's so dominant in terms of shot volume and uh, hits. Like he's in a banger league. He's just in, in unbelievable. One of those rare um, dual threat players like that. It, it's kind of like a guy that can hit 40 balls, steal 40 bags in, in fantasy baseball. It's, it's, he is, uh, uh, I don't know how often or if this has ever happened, but he, as you said, Brock, leading the league in shots, and he is second in hits to Radko Gudis. Gudis has 171 hits. Brady Kachuk, uh, as of Friday morning, April 2nd, has 169 hits, just two behind him. So Damn. potential to lead the league in shots and hits this season. Gudis yeah. was on pace to break the hits record, too, across an 80 games, 82-game season. So that just goes to show how much the Chuck is actually just throwing that rig around. Holy Helping shit. Your team I remember, yeah, I remember uh, there was a period of time where only one player had like ranked, I think it was in the, the top 10, I think, or something like that, top 20 even in, in goals and hits, and it was Ovechkin. Dustin Brown? And, oh. uh, and it was Ovechkin. So like he, you know, the fact that he could potentially lead the league in both, I think that's definitely the first time that's ever going to have happened uh, because Ovechkin was like, you know, he was hitting, but he wasn't like top of the league. Um Tuvo Teravainen, somebody that you know we we were not very high on coming into the season, just in in, in relation to his um, ADP, it was insanely high. Um, so people who did draft him that high have to be frustrated with what they've got from him. Uh, realistically, the numbers aren't terrible: nine points in thirteen games, uh, two point four shots per game. But he's been out with a concussion for seemingly forever. Uh, obviously, when those concussions can linger, and and his status is is uncertain, but. When he returns, if he returns for maybe the fantasy hockey playoffs, he's most likely going to be on a line with Sebastian Ajo, if not at least Vincent Trocek. And there's got to be, uh, you, you know, you got to like what you get from this guy when he's in the lineup. So to me, I, I think you could probably get him for extremely low teams that you trying to get a healthy body in there. Um, and he's only been he's been limited to 13 games this season. So any interest in Tuvo, you know, if he is healthy for maybe the stretch run? Oh, if he is healthy for sure, but I mean, playing games with concussions is not something I ever want to do, um, and, and and it just doesn't sound great over there. Um, but but yeah, I I mean, if you can get him and he's going to come back, hundred percent, do whatever the hell it takes to get him. Um, not whatever, but you know, trade trade for him. That's very good. <laughs> Deep. Uh, yeah, I uh, like you said, if um, certainly if the price is right, a guy that's worth going after. Just keep in mind, you're not going to get a ton of goals out of the guy. Um, but if you're looking for points, if you're looking for assists, certainly someone, if he's healthy, uh, that can help boost you in those areas. Okay, similar, uh, similar, almost completely across the board. Somebody that has been limited to 11 games this season, um, but very productive when in the lineup, Alexander Radulov, four goals, eight assists, 12 points, averaging 2.3 shots per game. So almost identical numbers, really, to Tuvo Teravainen. Of the two, would you prefer Radulov, D? Uh, yeah, I just think he offers, you know, more all-around upside, uh, a lot more reliable, uh, you know, in terms of uh, his goal scoring. Um, and, yeah, I think the Stars is actually a lot to like this season. 
Uh, and if you throw off the anomaly that uh, that was last year for Radulov, you know, um, obviously uh, been a very consistent player since he came back to the NHL uh, in 2016. So, uh, yes, he's getting older. So, that you know, that's always a concern as well, um, especially when you see a drop-off like he did last season. But, um, you know, the Stars as a whole weren't clicking anything near like they were. Are, you know, last season we're clicking anywhere near like they are right now in terms of their offense and the power play. Um, so, yeah, he's walking back into a great situation when he does get healthy. So, um, in redraft league, certainly uh, certainly would be uh, my pick of the two. How about you, Beebs? Um, yeah, I, I, I'd have to go. I have to go Radulov and redraft um, as well, and uh, and I, I gotta blame our born Martin Eckass for that out out in Carolina. There's just uh, there, there's just too many plates to feed out there. Uh, we talked about it. We talked about it for um, Svechnikov earlier in the show. Apologies yeah, for Svechnikov earlier in the show. Um, and add one more top six talent in there. Where's he gonna go? And and Nekas, he really can't take out. We already saw Vincent Trocheck come back this week. We gotta find somewhere to put him. Um, it, it, you know, just, just for this year, it just, uh, I definitely go Radulov. I think Radulov has a more fitted place, um, a more natural spot in that lineup. And, uh, and we've just seen, uh, the goal production from Radulov before, um, where we haven't seen that from, from Teravine, like these said. So, um, yeah, so give me Radulov there, um, as well. I, I agree. Um, yeah. to me, to me, Rod Brindam- to me, Rod Brindamore's job is super easy. It's Svechnikov, Aho, Teravine. It's Niederreiter, Trocek, Nechas, who have been outstanding together all season. And then it's Brock McGinn, Jordan Stahl, Jesper Fast. Like, that's your top nine. It's unbelievable. Put it's them together crazy. and let it work. Stop tinkering with it when Teravine's back. This is the team we talked about last year. We're like, they're too stacked defensively. They got to make some moves. Now we're like, well, they're a little too stacked offensively. You may want to make some moves, boys. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Carolina. They're too good. But they gotta, they're not winning. The oh, other yeah. thing about Alexander Radulov that I, I really like moving forward, if he can return, you got to remember, too, that Tyler Segan's return is probably not too far off. And now with the with a pretty bona fide top line in Roberts and Hintz and and Pavelski, they've really been clicking. They've been, their production has been outstanding. Now you've got maybe a second line of Jamie Ben, uh, Tyler Segan, Alexander Radulov, who have had uh, a ton of history together, a ton of success together. Now you've got a really good looking top six, and then you also are going to have Alexander <laughs> Radulov, um, you know filling in on that top power play unit most likely as well. So a lot to like there uh, from Radulov's perspective, and I, I do prefer him over Teravainen as well. Um, all right, a couple of, of teams out west here. We've got Braden Shen, zero goals, zero assists, zero points, no, and good. only 1.1 shots per game in his I'm last good. eight games. you guys any interest here at all in, in hoping that maybe, um, you know, they can start to figure it out in St. Louis, or is, are the wheels kind of falling off here? Um. I'm I'm good on this one. I just I I, I don't want to say the wheels have fallen off, but it's just um I don't know. One point one shots a game. It's not it's not exciting. Um, there's other pieces that are rolling out there. That it's another team that has a lot of options. Um, and I just I don't know. Braden Shen never really been huge on him in the first place, which maybe is a mistake for me. But um, even when he's healthy, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would say it's hard to imagine things getting any worse in St. Louis, but. Um... Yeah, certainly um, at this point anyway, you know, when you consider his upside, I don't think he's a guy that's worth uh, moving any sort of, uh, you know, draft stock or trade capital for. Um, if, you know, he, he falls to the wave wire, I, you know, definitely put in a claim. I think he's uh, worth taking a shot on if all it's costing you is a roster spot. Um, but, you know, ownership still sitting at 88%. I think his name carries a lot of weight still. 
Um, so I think you'd have a hard time um, plucking him for, um, you know, for, for true value. So like I said, if it's only costing your roster spot, I'd go for it. Otherwise I'd pass. Yeah. I mean, realistically never been a 30 goal scorer, only one career season above 40 assists. Um, it's been a little bit surprising, but overall the underlying numbers aren't even that good for, for that team. Like in terms of the, the scoring chances generated, even with Tarasenko back, they've been struggling a little bit. Tarasenko has been nice. He's, he's been filling up the categories quite a bit, but the rest of the team seems to be struggling a little bit. Um, you know, if, if you've got a struggling blue line, any interest in Tory Krug in the same team, you know, their power play has been kind of leaking a little bit. Uh, he's only got three assists, no goals, uh, 1.7 shots per game in his last 11. Any interest in, in moving and trying to get him? Um, because he's, he really is the bona fide number one power play quarterback of that team. Uh, I mean, if you are really, really struggling on the back and it can't hurt, um, especially if you're in a, a deep league, I mean, there's not many options in it. And realistically, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a theory if the guy's on the first power play and he's a D-man, I'm going to try to get him in my lineup as at least one of my four. So, yeah, I, I don't mind Krug, but at the same time, I mean, there's, there's guys like Alec Martinez, stuff like that, where you're probably getting the same value um, just off the wire. But, yeah, I t- I'd take Krug. Um, I mean, if it's your fourth D-man and you're just kind of wavering it and floating around anyways, might as well put someone who's getting uh, power play one minutes. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's my case for Krug, I guess. And he's shooting more than Chen, so, <laughs> I mean, not hard to do. How about you, D? Yeah, yeah I think he's obviously missing um, the benefit that he had playing with Marshan, Pasternak, and Bergeon on the power play in Boston. Um, but still, yeah, I, I think he's a great buy low candidate. Um, and just to hopes that they can figure anything out on the power play. Um, he's still shooting the puck a decent amount, um, playing a ton of minutes, but he has just six power play points on the year. So, uh, that, that's been the big, um, the big drop off in his production each of the last two years before that he had over 30 power play points. So, um, that's a huge part of his game. That's just gone missing. Um, and yeah, he's obviously not the sole reason for that. Um, a little bit older than I think most people realize he's, you know, 29 years old now. So, um, it's not a great time to see this sort of drop off in his production. I think we were hoping that he could be a real boost to that St. Louis power play. Um, hasn't necessarily been the case, but, um, yeah, I don't think you'd have to move a whole lot to get him. And I think he offers a lot more upside than anything you would find on the wire. Um, so I like him there. I like him in redraft leagues and hopes that they can figure it out or sorry, in keeper leagues and hopes that they can figure it out for next season. Um, but yeah, not someone that you want to move um, night and day to get on your team right now. We basically talked about this as exactly what we talked about in the preseason as somebody um, who could be a bust was Tory Krug because we weren't entirely sure what, you know, was Krug yeah. really kind of like a part of the engine that drove the Boston power play unit or is he more of a byproduct of having David Pasternak and Bergeron and Marshawn? And it seems to be more or less that it, he was kind of just – um, a byproduct of it. Obviously, he helped it. He, 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 you know, the Bruins power play has taken a hit this year too by losing him, but he hasn't been able to kind of go and completely transform that Blues power play either. So, um, you know, we, we talked about how th- that move was probably going to hurt his value, and so far it absolutely has. Um, all right, San Jose, they've been pretty hot as of late, um, but two of their, you know, better players ha- have been, you know, running pretty cold. Uh, all things considered, the underlying numbers are terrific for both of these guys, and you'd imagine that it's it's more of just kind of a, a snake-bitten situation and something that's got to turn. Uh, but our boy Timo Myers had a pretty disappointing season, you know, across the board. Uh, specifically, the last eight games, he's gone goalless with just two assists, uh, 2.8 shots per game over that span. Uh, Logan Couture has been equally as ice cold, just two points, one goal, one assist in his last 11 games, uh, 2.2 shots per game over that stretch. So, 
you know, I, I play San Jose too in DraftKings almost every night because they're so cheap and their underlying numbers are outstanding, but they just really don't seem to get anything going. Um, and Logan Couture, that top line has been really good all season long, but you know, even though, uh, you know, Evander Kane has remained pretty hot. Couture ha- is running ice cold right now. So uh, I would imagine of the two, you guys would both prefer Couture. But are you guys kind of interested in both of these if you get them really cheap? No, I made a case like two months ago to drop Timo Meyer. I'm just, if you guys want my case, just go back to, I think, like two months ago. D picked him up the same week from my drop. Nothing yeah, I was going to say. Beebs dropped him in a keeper league, and I and I picked him up. So there's no way Beebs is going to sit here and say that he has any sort of interest in Timo Meyer or or no, admit it. Twelve anyway. team keeper, twelve team team keeper league too. So yeah, so basically it's equivalent to about a, a standard fourteen team keeper league. So yeah, if I'm not keeping him in a fourteen keeper league on my roster, I'm not even making an effort for him in in redrafts or. Uh, or or keepers. So I mean, if, if people want to go for it, go for it. <laughs> I still like Timo. Um, I don't like, I you know, certainly in, in terms of this season, Couture offers um, a, a more stable floor. But um, everything that we've always loved about Timo Meyer's underlying numbers are still there. So uh, I'm going to continue to ride him and, and continue to bet on him. Um, certainly the surrounding cast in San Jose, a big, big problem. Um, he's not the guy that's going to, you know, carry the puck up and down the ice on his own, but certainly a guy who's going to get into great areas. He's going to fire a ton of shots. So, um, if he could, you know, get some more consistent minutes and, and get grind out, um, or maybe they get a more consistent playmaker in their next season, uh, could help him out a lot. But, uh, yeah, like I said, still just 24 years old, everything I've ever loved about the guy, he's still doing it. So uh, I'm fine with waiting on him. Um, but yeah, nothing more than a bottom of the roster. Hold on to guy. I don't think, um, He's really worth moving pieces for Couture. On the other hand, um, I think if you can get at a decent price, um, you know he, he's uh, he's going to offer you, uh, like I said, more reliable production. You know, probably somewhere in that sixty to seventy point pace um, that he's always kind of produced at, uh, and he's going to give you a decent amount of goals too. He's not just an assist guy, so uh, he can help you out in uh, in a few different areas. Um, the one kick this year is he's down to lone center eligibility in Yahoo, so. Um, that sucks, but, uh, yeah, still some value to be found here, but, uh, yeah, you, obviously you don't want to bank on these guys for what they were doing a, a couple of years ago. All right. La- last guy, just to talk about really quickly is Tuka Rask. Uh, he's been injured lately. So maybe this is an opportunity to, to buy low on him, uh, two, three and one with a nine Oh nine save percentage in his last seven games. Um, Yaroslav Halak has been struggling a little bit lately. So maybe once Tuka is healthy. Uh, he will get the bulk of the starts for the Bruins. I, I think that you guys can probably both agree that that's still a pretty good Bruins team. Um, and, and if you can buy low and get Raskin as maybe your number two goaltending option, it would be uh, a worthwhile move right now. Yes? Yep. I uh, One thing I'd just say, just be ready to uh, to be a little frustrated with the amount of starts that Halak will get, even if he does play down. I mean, Boston's unless Boston has to make a push for the playoffs. And uh, if they do, that could mean Rask is getting fat starts. Um, but he's definitely goaltender one out there. Um, and I think I think he's proven that. So I always like having Rask my, Rask my roster. Make it make it make a move for it if you can. Yeah, I'm Tons with Beavs against be- Buffalo coming up too. Ooh, yeah, yeah that. I'm with Beavs. I don't think you can bank on him starting more than every other game, especially coming back from an injury. They already split the workload pretty heavily anyway. Obviously, they're going to want to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs. But if that you know playoff uh, mentality has to come a little bit early in Boston. I think that's your one hope. Uh, and in that case, he could really turn a lot of leagues if all of a sudden you turn it out three or four starts uh, a week uh, down the stretch. So um, certainly an interesting target. You know, maybe, uh, maybe uh, like I said, it's, it's tricky, though, because it's hard to imagine being able to buy low on him without having to give up a goaltender in return. 
Um, so Brock, I don't know, you're the goalie guy, but I, I maybe if I could uh, <laughs> describe guy, an archetype of a goalie, we're probably looking for someone who's going to eat a lot of starts, uh, half decent splits, um, but not the most high end goaltender. Maybe his team is a bit of a turnoff. Uh, you might be able to move him to for a guy like Rask. Who comes to mind, Brock? Who who fills that kind of role that you think could maybe you could swing in a Rask trade? So the first one that kind of popped into my head would have been maybe like an Elvis Merzlikens. He's been really okay. solid, but not winning a ton of games. Blackwood. Um, you know, maybe even one of the Dallas goalies, whether it's an Anton Hudobin or uh, a Jake Ottinger, especially considering Ben Bishop is probably, um, you know, coming around soon. That's probably somebody else that, that you could look at potentially moving in that deal. Um, yeah, Blackwood, I think, makes a bit of sense as well. Um, you know, Kate, Barley, uh, Casey to Smith, be- um, because he's been outstanding, but they've really seemed to not want to give him the bulk of the starts and just still riding Jack Tristan Campbell? Jari. Uh, Jack Campbell, no, he doesn't lose games ever. Yeah, he so. doesn't lose. Yeah. Var- Varley seems like right really, now, Varley's just, kind of on the downswing. And yeah. uh, Shurokin's well, no, going to take some time there. So it's, yep, he fits that mill too. Right. If they're if they're hungry for uh, for starts in the short term, though, obviously Campbell should get those as long as he's healthy. But um, yeah, maybe down the stretch when when Rask is uh, is maybe or hopefully coming into form. Uh, well, if you can do you know, Campbell Freddy for Rask, I would say do that. Yeah. Right. Sure. I just say yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You might yeah, be yeah. able. To don't you, you don't you don't think Campbell's going to get the bulk of the starts in Toronto? Over no. Anderson, I think Campbell's taking that job, and it's his now. Like I think Anderson's the one that you got to be worried about. I think they're at least going to split when Anderson comes back because they want to um, keep Campbell healthy. And Anderson will mm-hmm. get a yeah, exactly. And I think you know they. I, I still think that they they just trust Anderson a little bit more. I think they think more of his ceiling, uh, in in terms of his potential. And you know we've also seen him go through prolonged cold stretches before. So I think if. Um, if they can get Anderson right, obviously it only helps their their playoff potential to potentially have um, Campbell to turn to down the stretch. But uh, yeah, I think he's at least going to get the chance to split starts. But certainly, if he continues to struggle after he comes back, Brock, then they have no reason not to to I guess give the keys to Campbell. Yeah. Okay. While we're talking about goalies, I'll just jump right into the streaming options on back-to-backs for Sunday, and then I'll let you guys take over for the skaters. Um, So, yeah, a lot of teams with back-to-backs on Saturday and Sunday, a very busy weekend across the NHL. Um, So to start, the first would be Carolina. Um, They have Dallas on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, The problem with Carolina, though, all three of their goalies are pretty high-owned. It looks like Mrazic could be back. I think he made 43 saves in an AHL in an AHL stint last night. So um, Mrazic could come back and start one of these two games, I would imagine. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if maybe they move on from Reimer or maybe they move on from Razik because uh, Nadelkovic has looked really good. But it's really going to be kind of difficult to pick up the right goalie from Carolina, and it's not that great of a matchup with Dallas. Anyways, uh, Columbus, again, another situation. They've got a back-to-back with Florida, but uh, Unis Corpusalo is dealing with an injury right now. I don't know if they're going to roll Merzlikens in both games. That would be three games in four nights. So maybe Corpus Allo comes back on Sunday. Somebody worth taking an, uh, a look at, you know, but the Panthers are going to get Barkoff back this weekend, most likely. So uh, makes it a little bit scarier of a matchup. Dallas with a back-to-back, but in, in uh, Carolina, really not anything that you'd really be interested in targeting. Uh, same goes for the Red Wings. Uh, obviously, you're not going to be that interested in Calvin Picard, especially considering both of their you. games are against the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
No. Um, the Florida Panthers, you know, the problem with them is both of their goalies uh, remain pretty high owned. You got Chris Dreger available, though, in, in 40 – or he's available in 51% of leagues still. Um, they've wow. got a nice back-to-back set against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So Dreger makes a ton of sense this weekend. Uh, he started on Thursday, so he could start Saturday's game. But, uh, you know, obviously they're going to split – those two games. Um, Tampa Bay, Curtis McElhinney is the guy that seems to make the most sense. Obviously he's had a very disappointing season, uh, but he's the one guy that's definitely widely available in league. And as I mentioned, he will most likely see the Red Wings on Sunday. So uh, McElhinney seems to be the one that's widely available. That makes the most sense. There's not a whole lot um, to look at really, you know, a lot of these other ones, the very either high owned or very cloudy goaltending situations. So uh, McElhinney is the one that makes the most sense for me, but there's a, a number of names out there that could be available in your league. Um, as for skaters, what do you guys got for me? Um, I, I, we're looking at a lot of similar teams as last week. I guess I'll just stop by drop by dropping teams. We got Anaheim, Arizona, Calgary, New Jersey, Toronto, and Washington, both on the Friday, Sunday slate. That's what we're talking about here, by the way. Um, so I, I guess I'll start with Zona and then you, you can take the next one there, D, um, or, or I'll start with Anaheim. Sorry. And you can go Zona and we'll just go down. But, uh, Ricard Raquel, uh, we talk about him every week. If you're in a little bit of a deeper league, definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, not too many super sexy names though. Do you went over a lot of these last week? Uh, Henrik currently playing uh, first power play, uh, not but not putting up most or ton of points over there. Maxine Comtois, um, maybe the best option out there in my opinion. Twenty three percent owned right now. Um, goal threat. Um, Troy Terry deeper league options, but um, other than that, nothing too crazy on Anaheim standing out as somebody you're going to want to run to to get on your roster. Yeah, I think uh, I think Henrik's really the only one that I, I'd be down to get a couple of games off of this uh, this weekend. Uh, Arizona's a little bit tricky because all the guys you know we'd normally go after their their own percentages have definitely climbed this season. Um, Connor Garland, if he's somehow available, is still just fifty two percent owned. Um, certainly, a guy that I, I would love to roster, let alone stream this weekend. Might be so. hurt from that helmet though he took to the head the other day. I don't know from McKinnon. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> if I, He's definitely see. not hurt, but that was Wait, hilarious. No, I'm totally kidding. McKinnon <laughs> chucked that helmet at him, got fined five thousand dollars for it. That was hilarious. The other thing <laughs> five thousand for chucking a helmet. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The, the other thing that's really interesting about uh, Garland, especially if he is somehow available in your league, is that um, his name seems to have been floating around a little bit on the trade market. So, um, you know, he's been there's been rumors linking him to Toronto potentially. So maybe adding him now cool. is, a, is a good idea, um, you know, just for this weekend. And then you can kind of hold on to him through next week. And, and maybe he does end up getting traded. I would be surprised. But the fact that his name's out there is, um, you know, it, it's a thing. Uh, yeah, otherwise we got Dvorak at 30%, uh, still center in that top line uh, with Garland. He's on the top power play unit as well. Uh, and then if not, probably the best option after that, Phil Kessel, 39%, a little bit higher owned. He's been um, red hot. Second too. line minutes, second power play Very unit. Hot. But um, yeah, I mean, anytime you can get a couple of games from Phil Kessel added for the week, why not, right? Even at this point in his career. Um, so yeah, I think Dvorak, Garland, Kessel, uh, the top three to go after uh, in Arizona. Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I got nothing more to add on to that one. You guys nailed it. Calgary is the other squad out there. Um, just because I want to say his, his name, Andrew Magiapan. Um, some, some we can mention. Um, other than that, I mean, the, the classic backland. Um, uh, if, you, if you're in, in incredibly deep leagues, 
But no one, no one. Really Shaw volume has been there. really solid as of late, among the best on the yeah. Flames. So he he's an okay option. Manjapani, uh, he's run ice cold as of late. That whole team's pretty much ice cold. Uh, yeah. Not a whole lot to love there. Um, yeah, we're talking to streamers though, and he's playing on the first line and the second power play. Oh yeah, for sure. Available in ninety four percent of leagues. So Manjapani, I actually think is a great streaming option this weekend. Hundred uh, percent. And I like him just as much as I did when he was in the middle of that hot streak. You know, he shoots once a game, (laughs) but uh, he's got a decent shot. I wish he'd, uh, I wish he'd let it go more. Um, Other than that, yeah, they don't have New Jersey. Um, Okay, take your pick here, I guess. Um, Paul Mary. (laughs) Vesper. Let me check real quick. Paul Mary, I think, is still decently available. Yeah, Paul Mary, 43%. Um, Big Kyle P guy. We always have been on this podcast. So uh, he's a good shout for the weekend. Uh, Beeps' boy, Jesper Bratt, uh, available in over 90% of leagues. So, um, yeah, he's pretty red hot as well, right? And you guys, I mean, the guy's got like, what, uh, almost a point per game over the last 10 games or so. So, yeah, yeah, Bratt, top power play line, or sorry, top power play unit, uh, first line as well. Uh, Palmieri playing with Hughes on the second line right now, but obviously getting first line power play minutes. Um, So they're the two that I would like to go after in New Jersey this weekend. Uh, So, yeah, actually a, a good amount of decent streaming options. So you guys definitely have your pick. Um, this weekend, Paul Mary and Brat, the two to look after in New Jersey. Uh, Beebs, I'll just keep it right rolling into Toronto. Yeah, I was gonna say, then... if you want to figure out someone to grab there, go for it. But yeah, really and then you can uh, you can hop on Washington. Um, yeah, the Leafs obviously always a great team to target in terms of uh, streamers. Um, if they have any, it's tricky though. Um, <laughs> you know, the one spot that that's not really spoken for um, is that that uh, like Brock talked about the uh, the third winger or the second winger, uh, third member of the Toronto two with Tavares and Nylander. Right now, it's been Galchenyuk. He's looked pretty good the last few games, but Brock, he's got an NA on there, says he's not officially on the roster. What's that about? Uh, might have just been sent down to the taxi squad in terms of just salary savings for them. Uh, they kind of do that during their off days. So I would imagine that's all that is. They've been okay. off. Um, yeah, since... I haven't heard anything about him not dressing tonight. So maybe keep an eye on that. Um, but um, he's looked pretty solid there the last few games. So um, 5% owned, which is pretty funny because the guy is barely played. But I guess that's what uh, the, being on the lease does for you. Uh, As of April so, yeah. 1st practice, uh, Galchenyuk still on the second line with Tavares and Nylander. Yeah, there you go. So that's right. I expect him to be this weekend because, uh, like I said, he's been pretty solid there. And until they bring something else in, I, I, I think he'll get um, at least the next uh, few games uh, an extended look there. Uh, other than that, uh, it's pretty tricky because, you know, that top six just eats a ton of minutes in mm-hmm. Toronto. Um, you can look at Spezza if you're feeling lucky on the third line. Um, you know, Kerfit's done uh, a decent job lately. Um, but I actually think if you uh, if you're not getting a piece of um, Galchenyuk, uh, which is funny to say, I, I don't think there's a whole lot that's worth streaming in Toronto. Just when we've talked about some of the other options on there um, for those other teams that are that are going to be um, playing top line minutes and, uh, and seeing some power play time this uh, this weekend. Yeah, just to interject here about Galchenyuk for a minute. In 50 minutes with Tavares and Nylander, uh, they've got a 64.8 Corsi four, 3.69 expected goals four per 60, uh, which gives them a 77.7 expected goals yeah. four percentage. Um, they're averaging 41 scoring chances four per 60 to give them a 79.6 scoring chance four percentage. Um, and they're also averaging 20 high danger chances for per 60 to give them an 85% high danger uh, for percentage. So they've been absolutely dominant in, in, you know, um, 50 minutes together, limited uh, small sample size, obviously, but really, really good. You got to like, it, it just kind of, again, goes back to what we were saying about Nylander as far as they've been playing great. They just got to get some bounces going their way. And, and Galchenyuk has, has been a nice uh, addition there so far. 
Yeah, he's looked he's looked phenomenal. Um, I I use the eye test all the time, but he is definitely passing the eye test in Toronto right now. Um, as far as watching those lines from a neutral standpoint, uh, he's stood out the most and seems to get the most done. It looks like definitely done more than Jimmy Vesey did in his his little whatever we want to call it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'll jump over to Washington. The final, the final, uh, uh, two back to backer team of the weekend. Um, and Washington is just like Toronto where it's incredibly hard to pick. D, D kind of broke it down last week. Uh, when we mentioned maybe picking up Daniel Sprong as the one option, um, he kind of still applies. He's really the only player in the last four. Connor Sheary's got to yeah. be the one uh, Sheary, playing with Nick Baxter, only 1% owned. Yeah, he just really hasn't done much lately. That's kind of what's scary. One thing I do want to mention, though, is a lot of people are hanging on to J- Jacob Verona right now, currently only getting about 12, 10 to 12 minutes of ice um, a game, 58% owned across all Yahoo leagues. You guys can uh, start to consider dropping him. He only has two points in the, in, in the last, I believe it's like 30 days or something. It's ridiculous. He's really struggling. Um, so, Three yeah. assists in his last nine games. Only averaging 13 <clears throat> minutes and 19 seconds over that yeah. span. Yeah, you're ready to drop Verona. Um, but yeah, if you need some deep um, defensive help and you want to get some potential assist justin schultz we've mentioned him but he's only playing under 20 minutes of ice lately um so it's very protected minutes but definitely someone if you are making you know if you got to make a desperation play on defense and, and bring someone in look yeah. at him he's very low owned um, and certainly yeah. uh certainly possible this weekend bees with um friday and sunday being a little bit um busier than they normally are that uh, you might not be able to fit in a forward on both nights so um if you do uh, yeah if you uh if you can only fit in a game on the back end i think schultz is the play for sure yeah, yeah. The only other person who's put up like comparable points from their back end in those days that you might be able to get your hands on is Orlov. Um, and 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 that's kind of seems like it's a total fluke point. So uh so yeah, so definitely Schultz the option on the back end there. Um other than that, there's really not too many pieces. I went to go look over at the goalies and was mind blown uh that Vitelli Vanasek is still I believe it's like 79 or 89 percent owned, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, that's okay. Just uh just goes to show what's going on uh, in Washington. It's uh, I wouldn't want to own either goalies right now or both. That'd be cool. But yeah, that's all for weekend streamers. Nothing and funny. with and with that, that is going to do it for season six. I believe it's episode eighteen of the Daily Faceup sure. podcast, presented to you by our friends at Odd Shark and Jock Market. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this extended edition of the DFO podcast. Hour and thirty three minutes, a little bit more back to our roots in terms of time today. Thanks so much, boys. Enjoy your long weekend, everybody out there. Uh, have fun, maybe not too much fun though. Enjoy the NHL action uh, as well. So uh, I'm Brock Seagum. We have Dylan D. Birds, we Michael Bees, Bonnie. Thanks so much, boys. Enjoy the Blue Stones on your way out. See you guys back here next week. Can't wait to go in my mini egg coma this weekend. Peace. Been a long time, been a long time. Wrestled to the dirt, now I'm back on my crowd. I took a trip to the borderlands, and I dashed my head in some upstream land. I saw a man in a two-tone coat, told me everything in life about the songs.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.